going out on your own in athletic training or being an entrepreneur hasn't always been a huge option for everybody, but more so people are getting creative and figuring out ways around it. Uh, a lot of things depend on your licensure act and different things that come into play there. But in this interview, we talked to Todd Sable, who has ventured out into that entrepreneurial world. And so we talk about some of the things that he did um, and has to consider and also some of the challenges he's had with that, which has been really kind of interesting to hear and also some of the things he's trying to figure out now to venture back out um, as he's moved around a little bit. So really interesting episode when it comes to entrepreneurship and athletic training and trying to kind of expand what the options are for us as athletic trainers to do in the profession. As always, we are powered by Mueller Sports Medicine. Please check them out. Reach out to them with ideas. and They're always looking for feedback when it comes to their kits, their braces, or whatever it may be. Enjoy this episode. episode of Athletic Training Chat. We are on today with Todd Sable, who is an athletic trainer um, that has really ventured out into the entrepreneurship world. I've uh, done a little bit of digging around um, from what I can find on the interwebs about what he's up to. Um, it looks fascinating and I'm definitely excited to hear more about this and I have lots of questions of just getting started working around licensure stuff and all that. It just... I've talked to a few people and this seems to be a trend that might be coming more and more, which is exciting. And you're on the forefront of that. So it's always interesting to hear that. But before I keep rambling, I wanted to turn it over to you um, and just allow you to introduce yourself, fill in who you are, what you've done and how you got to where you are currently. Awesome, man. Well, I appreciate you having me on. Um, I, I always enjoy, you know, what on various platforms, getting on and talking shop and, and especially talking about this this topic as well. So, um, like you said, my name is Todd Sable. Uh, I'm an athletic trainer, for, uh, athletic trainer from Ohio. Um, if anybody's familiar with the Akron area, I, I usually just kind of say I'm from where LeBron's from, just to make it easy for people. <laughs> um, so, real real close to that area. Um, I mean, I, I have a pretty probably a pretty similar story that most athletic trainers do. You know, I grew up playing sports. Um, was plagued with some injuries, you know, when I was younger, but was blessed with an awesome athletic training staff, um, some great physical therapists that really helped me get through, you know, just some really tough times, just, you know, not just physically, but mentally as well. And that kind of really got me on the track of, you know, hey, I want to do this for people, when, you know, when I grew up too. Um, so that's how I, I really got started with my passion for the field. Um, didn't really do too much with it in high school. We just didn't really have, you know, any kind of like elective courses or whatever to take. but. I definitely had the interest. Um, so I went to Marietta College, um, which is in Southeast Ohio, like right on the border of Ohio and West Virginia okay. uh, for undergrad. Got my bachelor's degree in athletic training. Uh, I played soccer there as well um, while I was there for four years. So it was kind of cool. You know, I got to see, you know, in the fall, I was on the athlete side. And you know, some of my classmates were our student athletic trainers. And then in the spring, I was on the other end of things and doing all that. So it was pretty cool just to kind of see at the, at the collegiate level, kind of be on both sides of that. Um, and then in grad school, I got my master's in athletic training as well at OU, Ohio University. Um, 
and I, I worked at a high school full time um, during my schooling. Really kind of fell in love with the secondary setting while I was there. Um, did my thesis on functional evaluation for the lower extremity, um, which I'm pretty pretty passionate about as well. I still do, I still do quite a bit with that in terms of my okay. business and you know just just stuff every day in terms of like how you know how I evaluate and I, I mean I use that stuff literally on a, on a daily basis. Sure. Um, and then while I was there, you know, like <laughs> like you kind of alluded to, uh, I I was able to start my own business. Um, really for the simple fact that I got extremely lucky. Um, the original concept fell straight into my lap just by a stroke of luck. And then I kind of um, branched off of that to where I'm doing more of the uh, actually stuff in the gym, athletic training, injury rehab services, but it all originated from um, sports medicine coaching seminars for coaches in Ohio to help get them certifications they need to coach um, in Ohio. So that's a real brief intro, but um, I'm sure we can kind of get into a little bit more things uh, along, along those lines. Yeah. And that actually, that background helps a little bit. Cause when I was looking, um, online, um, at your website, which sports med discussion, sports uh, med discussion. Yeah. It's kind of a mouthful. <laughs> yeah. I, did, I didn't want to do a disservice, but I, yeah, I, no, I like right. the name. um, Thanks. and even on there, it had, you know, some of the, what it looked like, you know, hands-on <laughs> things that you were doing, you know, the pictures and some of the things you offered, but then it was a lot about, educational opportunities so I guess more so if you want to dig into a little bit about the actual business um, and how that all got started that'd be great to hear yeah sure um, so on the, on the educational side of things like I said I mean it was literally a stroke of luck um, I mean as, as you know you know before a game before a football game you go up and introduce yourself to the opposing athletic trainer and I went up to the guy. I mean, this is literally like four games into my graduate assistantship at the school. And I went, I went to go say, Hey, and he's like, Hey, I know who you are. And I'm in like an area I, I'd never been in before. So I was like, you know, kind of caught me off guard. And uh, he's like, I just did a workshop at your, at your dad's high school. He's my dad's an uh, AD at uh, the high school I went to. And um, he's like, you know, my name's Tim. And literally, literally within two minutes of meeting, he's pitching me this business idea. He's like, I've been trying to get somebody to to uh, hop on this with me for 20 years. Nobody wanted to do it. And like long story short, like he built up this business literally from the ground up um, where he's teaching all these coaches, these, these, these seminars that, um, I mean, they have to have the certification. So like the, the need is there. Um, and, and, and again, you know, some of the bigger organizations have things that they, you know, they can fill that need as well, but he built this from the ground up over the past 20 years. And he's, you know, he's driving tens of thousands of miles going to schools in the middle of nowhere, talking to conferences. And um, it was just pretty cool. So I uh, just started kind of traveling around with him, learning the content, um, you know, learning how he, how he delivers the content because he's just, you know, he's just an old school entrepreneur. Like he, and you know, he loves what he does. So it was cool to learn from him. Um, so I learned the content, started teaching a couple classes on my own. And uh, we basically came up with a figure I forget how we came up with it, but it was basically like, he's like, Todd, I know you're, you know, you're a grad student. You probably don't have that, you know, 30 grand laying around to, you know, buy this, this portion of the company. So you can work 28, I forget what, 28 or 30 workshops um, for free to, to pay off your, your part of the company. So I basically just worked for free for two years for him. Um, and I, I got my portion of the company that way, just through, 
a lot of a lot of free work and you know, thousands of miles of driving and in the middle of nowhere getting lost all the time hitting deer and just, you know a lot a lot of, a lot of bumps along the road literally and, and figuratively but um it was a great experience and um you know I'm, I'm still doing that a lot of time most of the ones that i do are in summer and in the early winter so they're we the way that we kind of we batch them around like sports seasons so like you know if coaches are going into the winter yeah if coaches are going into the winter or the summer and they need certification that's kind of when we batch them around so that's kind of how it all started i never planned on being an entrepreneur i never really knew what an entrepreneur was until grad school and um, that, that kind of got my feet wet into it. And then I kind of branched off into um, you know, the, the hands-on stuff in the gym and, and whatnot. So. so then in your like kind of current business setup, mm-hmm. is it really mainly doing these courses and then building this kind of gym side of it? Uh, and I get, I'm going to just dive in. Like, do you own the yeah. gym? Are you contracted through the gym? Are you still working as a, athletic trainer and other facets or how does this all come together currently yeah yeah that's a good question i i didn't really cover that in the background too well so that's that's a good question (laughs) um yeah so currently i i do work at a secondary school so i do work at a high school right now um i'm employed i'm employed through acting children's hospital i work at a a small high school that's got the the mmi hat right now at mogador and uh you know i love it there it's real small it's i mean by far the smallest school i've ever been at they got like 200 kids from seven to 12 grade seven to 12. So super small, Uh, but it's cool. You know, one of those small, like super good football towns, like a bunch of state championships. It's pretty cool. Um, So I worked there in the daytime and that, that, that's really the one thing that I've fallen in love with the secondary school as well as the schedule. Like I'm like, Hey, like I don't got to go until one 30 or two o'clock. So I have, you know, from whenever I get up in the morning, which usually pretty early all day until I go to the school to, you know, do whatever I need to business wise. Um, currently right now it's 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 kind of it's funny and not funny mostly not funny uh, i can't I, i'm not doing my business right now um i've just moved back to where i'm at now in the akron area i was in southeast ohio for about nine years um and i haven't been able to find a physician yet to and then we well, i'm sure we'll get into, into this at some yep. point um but i haven't been able to find a physician the right physician to build my business back up here because there's a ton of legalities and stuff that obviously we have to go through to be able to legally, legally do what we're doing in the entrepreneur realm. So, but I, I ran the business in, uh, out of Columbus, a gym in Columbus for about two and a half years and, uh, had a physician down there. It was actually my team doc from the high school that I worked at when I was, when I was in Southeast Ohio. And yeah, I ran it out of old school gym. I trained there. We had a 4am crew, you know, I, um, this is kind of off topic, but um, it just had a crazy group of guys that trained real hard, did some powerlifting and bodybuilding shows. And that was kind of the population that I really enjoyed working with, too. Sure. I think one, just because I, I liked I liked that style of training and I was I was doing it. So, I, you know, I knew what kind of stresses those guys were putting their bodies through. Um, so I, that, that, that's mainly the population that I work with in the time that I was there doing that. Um, but I, I wouldn't say typically that's the only population I would work with. And that's something I'm still kind of trying to narrow down, which is one of the hardest parts of, in my opinion, of being an entrepreneur is trying to find your target audience and your, yeah. and your niche. It's, it's pretty tough. So, um, but yeah, so right now I'm, I've been in the physician hunt for, and it pains me to say this, about nine months. Okay. Because what I found is, and I'm sure people listen to this who've been in the same situation, 
can can relate in southeast ohio you know it's a little bit more rural kind of old school there's yeah. a lot more independent doctors there so if it's an independent doctor you don't have to worry about all the the red tape of a big hospital organization to go sure. through like if you're the doctor i can say hey i have this idea would you be my position you know i obviously have a contract and all that but um you can make the decision right right then and there here in akron um a little bit more suburban you know there's there's more cities around here there's not very many independent doctors um yeah. so i have to go through the hospital organizations for for that if i want to get an nd or a do um ohio's practice act again getting into the more legality side of things sure. ohio's practice act is pretty pretty lenient um not lenient but we have more options so we, we can actually use uh, a doctor of chiropractic a doctor of physical therapy um and as crazy as it sounds uh, a dentist <laughs> so th those are the options that we have to to uh look for our standing orders physician right. here in ohio um i'd like to stick to an md or a do just for the referral base and um and that but i have i have reached out to some chiropractors um that i trust around here they're really good so i'm trying to keep my options open for the time being but um being picky has led me to be waiting around for a long time sure. which which is good and bad i'm doing things in the meantime to help build my business and build systems so i can make it more sustainable long term um which we maybe we can talk about that later too because yeah. i've done a million things wrong probably done one or two things right <laughs> along the way but um but yeah it's it's a constant journey of trying to figure out you know what am i doing right what am i doing wrong how can i fix what i'm doing wrong you know so uh, but that's kind of where i'm at right now so i was yeah really very curious about the licensure stuff and like the practicing physician um and whatnot uh so just kind of diving into that just a little bit more how does that conversation go because uh, i know for my personal right now like our team physician that i work with at the university i'm at is awesome and if i were to go out on my own like he'd figure out a way to yeah. still like be over the top of it even though he's part of a bigger health system like he would he would work sure. with that and just because we built that relationship but do you run into like are they you know looking for a cut you know because they're you know you're going underneath their license or i just how does some of those conversations seem to go yeah that's a great question um the, i would say the biggest two the, the biggest thing is liability you mm -hmm. know hey you're going to be under my wing you're going to be practicing you know under my standing orders um you know what what are you doing what services are you providing are you practicing within your scope are you doing anything crazy you know what type of people are you working with are you trying to work with like acute post-op patients or are you just doing you know quote unquote normal rehabs right um i have had the uh you know the the financial conversations of course um more with the doctors around here i i, I was very lucky with the, the guy that i worked with in southeast ohio he was older had no interest in the financial aspect of things he's like hey man like you go for it like i'm here to support you if you need me um that's awesome but you, you know do your thing yes yeah, so I, I mean it was it, i couldn't i couldn't have asked for a better scenario but yeah. on the um looking back on it it made me very naive and i was like oh this is easy i'll move home and get one in <laughs> right weeks. you know what i mean <laughs> yeah so it did it did uh i it did kind of blind me a little bit how hard it actually was um but the finance the financial aspect definitely pops up that's something you definitely need to be you know thinking about ahead of time 
And in the conversations I've had with other athletic trainers that are doing what I'm doing at, at a much higher level than I, than I was doing it when I was practicing near Columbus is you want to try to figure out as many problems ahead of time that the physician's already thinking about and have sure. solutions to those problems before you approach them. So you're not caught off guard. You don't have to keep going back and forth. Right. So yeah, the fin- financial aspect is huge. You know, are you going to give them a percentage of percentage per patient? Are you going to pay them per month? You know, so on and so forth. Um, so those are all things you want to have in the back of your head. And then the liability is a big one too. I mean, you got to have, you know, I, I, I pay a lot more in liability insurance for that reason than I'm sure, you know, when, when I was just doing my, the regular secondary school stuff, I was paying like 250 a month and now I'm paying close to a grand and not a month. I, I mean a year, I'm sorry. Sure. Yeah. Was... But yeah, yeah, not a month, but, uh, <laughs> paying close to a grand a year uh, for liability insurance. But again, that's, you know, worst case scenario, of course, but. Right. Um, to, to kind of give give the peace of mind, to, especially to the, to the physician, that that's there in place. So, um, in terms of like gym, like yeah, you asked about the gym earlier. Yep. Um, yeah, I, I didn't I didn't own the, the space or anything that I had. I, I worked out of a uh, like I said, a kind of a powerlifting gym. They had like right. a they had like a wrestling room in the back, and that was literally my office. So if you look through my Instagram and you see me working on a green mat, that's that was my <laughs> office. Perfect. Um, but it was cool, you know, when we had had Tupac blaring and I was doing rehab at 4 a.m., you know, it was it was crazy, but it was fun. And, uh, you know, that probably wouldn't work in every setting. But uh, with this, you know, with the population that I was working at, it, working with, it was perfect um, to, in going forward. I mean, I've heard a lot of people say to kind of stay away from trying to have your own space, at least for a while, because there's a lot of overhead financially. Yep. Um, you know, long term, I want to have my own place. and the more that I look into it, I want to build, be able to build systems to be able to, you know, scale it and, you know, have multiple locations long-term. I mean, that's, that's the goal. But again, I got to start with one and um, you know, that's, that's where I'm, I'm heading. I just got to get that position. And um, you know, it's, it's frustrating because I built a good rapport where I was at and I do want to get, I do want to be in the online space too, online rehab programming. Yep. Um, because I think there's a lot, especially with all the COVID stuff, like telemedicine's taking a huge jump. Oh yeah. So, so so the need is is definitely there, and the ability to do it is there. Um, and you know, I have people asking me all the time, like, "Hey, you got, you, you got a doctor yet? You taking clients?" And I'm like, "No, I wish, but I can't." <laughs> you know. So, um, so that that's kind of where I'm at in that regard. But um, yeah, there's tons of logistics you got to work out. But um, in any, I mean, just like with anything else, just you got to reach out to the people who have done it. Like, um, if you're familiar with Mike Stella, like he's from New York and he's yep. killing it. Yep. He he's got the movement underground. Um, he he's a pioneer in this in this kind of realm. Um, Andy Fortuna out of uh, I think Miami, Florida. He's he's a pioneer in this field. Like he's doing super well. Um, Sean and Jace out of Arizona. They have uh, their practice called Root Sports Med. Um, I'm trying to think of some others, but I mean I'm a part of a couple of groups, and I feel fortunate to be a part of those because it's just a lot of forward-thinking athletic trainers kind of in this space. Sure you know, troubleshooting things and whatnot. So um, there's always help if you know where to look. Kind of going back to the licensure stuff, do you, uh, or have you looked into, because it's a, its own rabbit hole, um, mm-hmm. looked at potential for license laws changing and, you know, pushing forward and whether it needs to be that you go and get like a DAT just so you are considered that doctorate level um, or even just, I know in Wisconsin, there's been some like chatter about eventually moving us just out from underneath 
um, physicians in general as we're getting recognized by, you know, the AMA and everything with what we are. So is that anything you've looked into? I, that's its own black hole, I feel like, if you if you were, but... Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, that's a great question. And I mean, who knows what the field's going to look like here in 10 years? Um, I think, I mean, we're definitely, there's definitely going to be a push for DATs, like no doubt. I mean, for, I mean, we're, since we're moving to the entry level masters now, I mean, the DAT is going to be important just for, you know, for us to have professors, professors to teach in those, in those programs. Yep. Um, I've looked a little bit into the, into the DAT. Um, the one that I always, I'm always seeing on, on Twitter is uh, Indiana State University. Kent Games is always yeah. very active on there. He seems like a great guy, and I've, I've talked to him a little bit about it. Um, I did I did look into a little bit. Uh, this is before I, I was looking more into a DAT, but I was like, if I got a PhD and I was, you know, considered a, a doctor of whatever, yeah. would, would, would that be like what I need standing orders? And after doing a lot of research, um, I, I still, I still would have needed a physician. So I did look into that. I, I, I uh, actually have uh, applied and got accepted to, to run a, a research project um, with the department of defense. And uh, you know, I actually offered the job and everything. It, it was a really cool project, but it would have been five years. And with the money and time involved, it just didn't seem right. Um, just with within the line with what I wanted to do. So it was, it was really hard to turn down because it was a great opportunity, but it just wasn't right for me. So uh, to, to, to shortly answer your question, a DAT or a PhD would not change anything right now. But like I said, in five years, seven years, 10 years, I mean, who knows? I mean, in, in, in five years, it could be like, it could be synonymous like with a DPT. And, right. You know, these, they, they can practice independently. So who's to say in seven years a DAT can't practice independently? So and I, I hope we get there because uh, I, I think we, 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 our profession as a whole deserves that recognition. And I mean, we're completely capable, you know what I mean, with, with all the skills that we have. So I agree. Um, one of the questions I had, and we can kind of tie it into something you mentioned earlier, was mm -hmm. just the skills that you've had to build in order to, you know, grow a successful business. And then you also mentioned systems that you're putting into place and the mistakes that have been made. Um, I haven't run my own business, but running a department, like I've come around to that and it's just like systematize almost everything you can short of patient care, just yep. to make sure that it's always running the same and getting staff on board with that has been its own unique experience. So I'm just curious as to what you've seen. Yeah, no, I mean, and that, that, that's where my biggest mistake was, was when I was at that gym and all those guys I was training with, you know, um, I mean, our, our main guy in the crew was Corey Gregory. If, if anybody's listening, if anybody's familiar with Muscle Farm, he was the founder of Muscle Farm. Okay. I was going to say, I knew um, the name. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, he, I mean, he's as almost, you know, he's in the fitness realm as high as entrepreneurs you can get. So, and he was kind of pushing me, you know, Hey, like, you know where your passion's at find a way to make it work. And I found a way to make it work and literally just jumped right into it. Um, which was good and bad. You know, I, I had a lot of fun. I learned a lot, but I also did so much wrong. Like I alluded to earlier, I didn't set up any type of business systems. I didn't really have very much business acumen at all. And it, it came back to bite me just in terms of like logistical stuff. Like, um, I didn't know how to do, you know, taxes and, 
um, you know, all that, all that kind of the really boring stuff that you don't want to, that you don't want to do for a business. But um, the systems were huge because, and I, I, I mean, literally, I, I didn't really realize how important they were until probably a couple months ago. And that was one of the things in terms of, you know, learning and the business development for myself during the COVID time. I, um, I've been reading a lot of books, um, trying trying to be, you know, well-rounded in the types of books that I've been reading, a lot of self-development, personal development, mental toughness, mindset stuff. Um, but I have read a couple of books on systems and I joined a, a coaching academy. It's m- mostly uh, physical therapy, I'm sorry, personal trainers. Uh, there is one chiropractor in there that I saw, but it's all about learning how to build your business from the ground up. So and that's what I was alluding to earlier with, you know, I'm not, I can't practice my business right now, but I've been doing a lot on the back end, so I can make it more sustainable once I get it up and running again. So I'm learning how to, um, you know, I, I identify my ideal client, how to I automate a little bit of the systems in terms of like, you know, email, emailing and, and marketing and advertising and how to tie in client testimonials in back into email marketing and all that stuff. Um, and then just overall systems in general, um, in terms of how to make, like, like you said, how can I, these, I mean, people, people, people don't pay for the actual service. They pay for the experience and they pay for the the clinician. Right. So how can I make that the most reproducible every single time? So every time a patient comes to me, obviously their care is going to be individualized, but I want their experience to be almost the same every time. So then they know what they're getting from me. So when I advertise to somebody else, they know exactly what they're going to get. And, you know, when I was doing it, and again, it, it wasn't that it was like ragtag, just throwing stuff together, throwing it at the wall, but it just wasn't the same exact thing every single time. So and because when you, when you don't have the system, you, it's, it's impossible to do that. And it's impossible to scale, which, like I said, that's one of my goals. You can't scale a, a business that doesn't have systems. So. Right. No, that makes complete sense. Um, any other missteps that you're like, man, I can't believe I did that. Um, I would say not so much business wise, but, um, for a long time, I was just, I was just trying to kind of keep up with everybody else, you know, whether it was, oh, like they're doing this on Instagram, like you know, should I get that certification or should I try this technique or what I'm doing is not good enough? You know what I mean? So just, I just got caught up for a little while and not thinking that what I was doing was good enough. Although, you know, although like the results I've seen with patients were great. I was like, you know, why am I not doing that? Am I not good enough or am I not innovative enough or, you know, just so like a lot of self doubt, I, I, I would say, um, which, which is good and bad again, you know, it makes you, you know, you're constantly self auditing and, you know, seeing where you're at, but sometimes that can be cause paralysis by analysis too, which you, which you don't want as, as a business person, because you need to make, you need to be decisive and make decisions to move your business forward or else you're going to be staying in place. So. Yeah, it gets tough, especially when you see all the certifications and stuff out there and everything everybody's done. Like yeah. I know I, if I had the budget, I would do like endless, mainly just because I want to see everything and yeah, everything and look at it differently. But yeah, there are definitely times where it's just kind of like, man, so-and-so has done all of this and I can't even get past this. And that's, that's can be its own unique conversation. It can be overwhelming for sure. Um, how do you balance, I guess, um, 
all the things that you bring, you mentioned evaluation, um, a lot of your pictures, you know, you're doing soft tissue work um, and different things. Um, how do you balance when you were doing it and how you would like to see it going forward of keeping with what you know and believe to work versus what the patient thinks or believes um, mm -hmm. is also going to work? Because obviously that's an important piece of it. And I feel like in you, the setting that you want to work in, like, you know, you, you want to make your clients happy so they can keep coming back and they say good things sure. about you. You know, in the secondary school setting, if you don't do exactly what the kid wants, he's probably still going to come back the next day because you really is only option. Yeah. Um, so you, you might be able to control that in a little different way. So how mm -hmm. do you, have you balanced that or do you foresee balancing that going forward? Yeah, no, that's a great question. Um, my, and, and like, like you said there, I do have a lot of pictures of soft tissue work and that's probably a, probably a little bit of a misrepresentation of what I do. Um, because, you know, we, we had a photographer at the gym and he would kind of pop in some, you know, here and there. And usually it was the, at the end of my, my sessions when I would be doing a lot of the soft tissue work more is kind of like the cherry on top almost. And, uh, you know, he was, he was shooting people in the gym, but I, I, I mean, my, in, in my business logo, my, my tagline is heal by moving, you know, I have it copyrighted and that, I mean, that's, that's kind of the basis for everything that I do. Um, I, I truly believe that, you know, movement is medicine and, you know, our bodies were made to move and movement is the best, I mean, movement is the best diagnostic tool. It's the best healer for the, for the body and for the mind. And that, that's kind of how I approach it. Um, I do, I, you know, I do do some soft tissue stuff, but I, I firmly believe that unless you're taking an active approach to healing, you're, you're not going to have the long-term effects of, of a successful rehab. You know, you can, you can do all, all the massage, all the manual therapy, all the grass, then all the dry needling, all the, all the stuff that's out there. But if you're not learning how to load that tissue safely and how to, you know, retrain your gait or, uh, I mean, I mean, anything Do, doing an overhead press correctly where you're fully locked out and you got full internal rotation in your shoulder, you, you're not going to have the best results long-term. Like you may feel better today if I massage your shoulder, but if you don't know how to load a barbell properly and stack your core and, you know, get tight and create torque in your shoulders, like just because I made you feel better today, it doesn't mean in two weeks, you're not going to be feeling the same way. Sure. You know what I mean? No, so, I like how you said that. Yeah, so I, I, I definitely balance it. Um, like I said, I, I view manual therapy more as kind of the cherry on top. Like, you know, I have I have a hyper, uh, yeah, hypervolt gun. And, you know, I'll, I'll use that at the end. You know, if somebody, you know, worked their butt off and had a great rehab and, you know, they're feeling kind of sore, fatigued, retired, like, you know, I'll run that over their, their quad or hamstring or glute or whatever, you know, at the end. But um, that's the 1% the of the, the uh, and again, it's probably the most seen on Instagram. Which right. probably isn't the best thing, um, but that's probably like you know one percent of what what I'm actually doing. So yeah, movement is by um, by far where I where I base how I think about about rehab and about and just sports medicine in general. And um, I just did a talk this morning with some high school kids. Like, I mean, movement trickles over into life. How you how you view things, your your mentality, your health. I mean, everything. So that's that, that's where I'm at. Sounds good. 
advice you'd have for people that are potentially thinking about going out on their own, either jumping in full go or even looking at kind of a part-time, you know, kind of see how it goes scenario, what would be, I don't know, a couple of good pieces of advice. I'm sure that's something you could talk for hours on as you like went through all the process steps, but yeah. Yeah. Um, I would say, I mean, number one, you, you can't be afraid to try. Like if, if you're, if you're, if you're truly passionate about it, um, you know, I mean, regret's one of the biggest things that, you know, I think about in life that I don't want to have. Um, so, you know, if I, if I fail, then I know that I at least tried, you know, I don't plan on failing, but, um, you know, if you, if you never try, you don't know, but in the same sense, you know, knowing what I know now, I would have done a little bit more research and education on the business side of things, um, and asked more questions to more people beforehand. Um, you know, rewind four or five years, I had a little bit of an issue. I, and I, I guess you can call it an ego issue, but not in the sense that it was cockiness. It was more afraid to be wrong or afraid to, to be seen as not knowing. So mm-hmm. I didn't ask questions, you know, because I didn't want it, I didn't want people to think, Oh, that's a stupid question. Sure. Um, so our ego definitely gets in the way of things, whether it's cockiness or whether it's out of fear. And um, so you get, you got to make sure, again, going back to kind of being self-aware and self-auditing yourself, like, Hey, am I not asking this question because I don't need to know the answer or because I don't want to be seen as being dumb or being, being wrong. Right. Um, so making sure you're asking the right people, the right questions, um, you know, go, going out and, I mean, you can, I mean, what, a couple of things that I did that, that really helped where I went to some chiropractic office, some people who were self-employed, um, you know, p- physical therapists, personal trainers, even, and just watched how they worked, you know, like, ha- what, what do I like that they do? What, what do I not like that they do? And, um, so I kind of get some real world, ex- real world experience in, and how do, how do I want to structure how I practice and how I communicate with patients and, and all that type of thing. So you know, getting out and talking to people who are doing what you want to do is, is key. And then educating yourself where you know you're weak, for sure. Those, those are probably my two biggest things, because if you don't know where you're weak, you're going to find yourself in trouble. And, then, you know, that's kind of where I found myself, not in trouble, but just really far behind the eight ball in terms of the business side of things. Um, but the, I, I would say definitely the worst thing is not trying at all, whether it's out of fear, or whether it's because of the unknown. Like, you, you got to dive in, but you got to do it smart. Makes sense anything else around entrepreneurship and athletic training that, that we didn't cover that you would like to? Um, I would say, I don't know. I mean, we, we covered quite a bit. I would just say, I mean, and this goes really with anything, just be a lifelong learner. I mean, the more you learn, the more you realize you don't know. So just <laughs> always, uh, yeah, it's crazy, isn't it? <laughs> it's, it's kind of depressing, but it's fun at the same time. <laughs> I once thought I was like, man, maybe it isn't this complex. Like maybe we just start, you know, stick with the basics and yeah, you know, the, just they seem to work. And then it would get into a little bit more. And I was like, well, that theory doesn't work. Like <laughs> it's too complex. And it's like go, going back and forth between like, oh yeah, like I have a pretty good grasp on this, and then the very next day I'm like. Oh. I don't even know how to rehab an ankle. You know, you know what I mean? Like, it's just like, yeah, I've had conversations <laughs> with people. You just walk out of it and I'll say to somebody else, be like, so what'd you do today? Cause I didn't do anything compared yeah. to what the ones <laughs> I just did. Are you kidding me? Like, what are we doing? Exactly. So, exactly. So, um, yeah, that's, I mean, that's, that's probably the biggest thing is just, 
I mean, if it's something you're interested in, go check it out. If it, if it doesn't provide any value to you or you don't feel like it's useful, then, you know, discard it, but find the next thing. And, you know, I mean, know what your core values are, like know where you stand. I mean, every business I believe should have a core set of values that they stand by and they really don't change, but you can develop, you know, whether it's techniques or, or rehab protocols or, um, you know, I mean, certifications or something, if you can add things to add your toolbox um, without kind of diluting it, I think that's, I think, like you said, with, with all the certifications that you can, you can kind of dilute what you, what you have and what you know, almost to the point where it's like, well, I have, I have this certification, this certification, this certification, this certification, like, how am I going to fit all that into an hour rehab session or an hour treatment session, you know, um, to the point where it's almost overwhelming. So, um, you, you know, I don't, I don't really, I don't have a ton of certifications, um, but I've done a lot more, I've done a lot more learning and research than what, I guess what you could see in the certifications. But right. it's, to me, it's not about that. You know, it's about, can I find something that's going to help my patients more? If it does sweet, I'll add it. If not, then I'll discard it. And yep. you just, it's just that, that continual refining process of your skills, you know? So. Couldn't agree more. Um, with that, Ready to hop into those athletic training chat questions? Let's do it. Awesome. Uh, you kind of referenced this earlier, but we'll let you really hammer it down. Is where do you see the athletic training profession going in the next five to ten years? Yeah, I mean, it, I mean, we the profession as a whole could look completely different here in ten years. I mean, with, I mean, and I would have answered this probably the same four months ago, but even now, a hundred times more. With, you know, with entrepreneurship, um, I think we're going to see in the next five to 10 years, a lot more people going that route, because I think before, before we've gotten around this time, there's a lot of people, you know, kind of burn out or fed up with the profession and they're like, well, I don't want to work in a high school, a college, a pro team, um, you know, or even an industrial setting. So I'm just going to go get a new, new degree or go to go and get into real estate or, right. you know, whatever. Insurance. But yeah. Yeah. And, but with, with all these new options out there, like, like if you like rugby, go find a, go find the rugby club that just got formed and, you know, be the athletic trainer for their, for their league or, you know, for, for their conference or whatever, mm-hmm. or you know, like, like, you know, kind of what in the realm that I'm in, like find a physician, find a gym. And, you know, if it's a clientele that you want to work with, go work with them. Like there's so many options out there now. And it's only going to continue to grow. And the nice thing is it's kind of a gray area. So you can kind of experiment a little, a little bit with it. You know, I'm not telling anybody to break any laws, of course. <laughs> um, but I mean, you can kind of dip your toes into the water for lack of a yeah. better term to, to, to see what, you know, you like. I mean, that's the, the beauty of, I mean, really anything. I talk to my wife about this all the time, but she, she's considering a career change. Like go, go find something that you enjoy and, go observe you know observe them for a weekend or, or a couple of days and just see what you think like if you hate it don't go back find something else if you love it go back and you know see how they work a little bit more you know just I mean you can do that with anything in our profession you know even if it's like oh I don't know I'm trying to think and there's, there's just so many options out there it's 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 virtually endless if you if you're passionate about a certain area and there's a way to make it work which there usually is um there's really no reason that you can't do it, you know? So, um, I think, and, and then with, with all the COVID stuff, I mean, 
job security is at an all time low. You know, I mean, there's athletic training jobs getting cut left and right because we're not seen as um, a necessity, which is, yep. you know, absurd and a conversation for another day. But, um, yep. you know, we, we've got to take it on ourselves to, you know, advocate for our value. And, you know, and, that, and that's another thing, too. I, I think I think I, I truly believe that we're going to see some of that old model come back to where we're either a. Um, employed by the schools again, like in the secondary school setting. I think I think we're going to go towards that again, um, or, and this is a conversation we're having um, in in our Innovate Athletic Training Group, is even finding stakeholders outside of the high school in the community that will that will pay for an athletic trainer for the school. Yep. You know, um, because you know it's just absurd that these kids aren't don't have access to healthcare. And I mean, especially like right now, like these kids haven't been doing anything for three months and you want to get them right back into sport and do I saw, I saw, I saw on Twitter, they, uh, there was a team doing a football team doing Murph, like for, for oh, football, God. God. like what, you know what I mean? Like these, they, these kids need access to healthcare. How are they going to get it? Like right. we can't complain. We can't, we can't complain about long work hours and not getting paid enough. Like what are we going to do to fix it? How are we going to infiltrate that system or change the system to get those kids healthcare get us the value and financially that we want and that we deserve, um, we got to find a way. We just can't sit back and complain about it. You know what I mean? So I think there's going to be a big shift. I, I don't know exactly what it looks like, but I don't think it's going to look like anything like what, what it does now in 10 years. I don't have a hard time picturing that either. Uh, what advice would you go back and give yourself as a younger athletic trainer? And if you could kind of set the stage of when that would be in your career, that'd be fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I'm in, I'm going into my sixth year. Well, I, I count my two years in grad school as being a professional because I was literally by myself at a high school. Yeah, no, absolutely. So, you were yeah. certified. You were up and running. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I some people don't count that, but whatever. You got paid so like a grad student. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Other than the pay, it was, it was, it was a normal job. Um, I, uh, this, I'm going into my sixth year of, of, uh, professional athletic training. So for, to set the stage, I guess I, me being a young athletic trainer would be either my first year working, which would have been 2015, or even a little bit before that when I was still a student, so like 2013, 2014. Just like what I said before, honestly, is not being afraid to ask questions. Like I was petrified of being wrong. Um, I think that's kind of a, a a symptom of the educational system about you know not not wanting to be wrong and you know getting punished if you're wrong, whether it's on a test or whatever. And, um, I just didn't want to be wrong. So I wasn't asking questions. So I wasn't learning as much. I, I wasn't getting you know, the answers that I needed, but it was my fault because I wasn't asking the questions. So right. like, what's the worst that can happen? Somebody's going to make fun of you. Like if somebody makes fun of you for asking a question, that says way more about them than it does about you because you're trying sure. to learn. Yep. So, um, that's, that's definitely the biggest piece of advice I would give to, to young Todd. Fair enough. What has been the most influential resource that you found in your career thus far? That's a great question. Influential resource. Uh, I would say, and this is, this isn't like a super traditional answer in terms of like education. Um, I, I would say that my time at that gym that I was at and just being exposed to entrepreneurs, because okay. if I if I wouldn't have been exposed to the entrepreneurs like like Corey Gregory and a couple of those other guys, um, 
I, I, pro I probably wouldn't be doing this. Because, yeah, I mean, maybe I would. I don't know with, with how things are going, but I don't. It, I would have been way behind. So yeah, I hear uh, you. Just, just, be, just being exposed to entrepreneurs and, and reading books. I mean, honestly, I, I mean, I, I and I was talking this talking to this with the kids this morning, like. Like learning is cool. One, you know, reading is cool. Wanting to improve yourself is cool. Like there's the, all the resources are out there. So whether it's books, podcasts, people themselves, mentors, like go, go find those people out or go find those resources out because they're out there. You just gotta, you know, know what you want and, you know, search for that. So. Absolutely. If you could change or eliminate one thing, it could be modality, a common practice, a mindset or whatever else you'd like to choose in the field of athletic training, what would it be? Rice. <laughs> Fantastic. That, it's Love my it. biggest, <laughs> oh man, it, I, I could, I could rant about that for days. Yeah. If I, if I have, if, if I have a negative, cause I'm, I'm probably most of the time overly optimistic about things and very positive and, and stuff, but man, rice really gets my, gets my gears going because again, going back to what I said earlier about passive versus active and how you treat things like, yep. and it, and it's still being taught in schools, like, like on the, on the curriculum, the, the curriculum guy that we were supposed to follow for our um, coaching courses, like for musculoskeletal stuff, they, they have a rice chapter in there. I'm like, I'm not teaching rice. Yeah. Nope. Yeah. I hear no you. No chance. Yeah. So, yeah. Oh, that's, it's been something I, I had that phase shift. Oh, four or five years ago mm -hmm. um, is when it really hit for me where um, it started with the Kelly startup video with Gary Renal, um, just mm -hmm. talking about it. And it's kind of like, huh, you know, that actually makes some sense. And it's yeah. been like a slow and steady battle and still trying to get even some co coworkers to just be like, just, just challenge yourself on it. I'm not saying you got to change it. Yeah. Just at least challenge yourself. And, it's it's come around where we try to make people less passive like you yes. said in their recovery so no, and, awesome. and getting co getting coaches on board that is super oh, man. hard yeah because it's, it's always the thing i'll just go put some ice on it yep well <laughs> oh yeah the more most recent one i've been battling is anytime somebody's hamstrings tight that we just have to go and stretch their hamstring that's that's oh. the solution my hamstring is really tight. I feel like I might pull it. Can you stretch it? Well, let, let's just pump the brakes here a second, guys. Like, why is it tight? Why hold, is it tight? Hold on, yeah. Because if it's already tight, like, do we really want to just keep cranking on it? Um, exactly. Anyway, maybe maybe that's a follow up episode. Common misconceptions that we're trying to break down. Uh, finally, then, um, what does being an athletic trainer mean to you? Um, like I said at the beginning, I mean, the reason I got into this was to to help people, and then the situation that that I was in when I was when I was a young kid, and you know, hurt and down in the dumps because I couldn't do something that I loved, and that and that's really uh, kind of like my my personal why statement is helping guide others to live life without limitation. Okay. And um, you know, and and that I I, I created that kind of you know statement in my head for the physical aspect, but um it goes with the physical and the mental aspect too, you know, because it's, it's not just the body that's, that's in need of care when, when an injury occurs, you know, it's also the mind, you know, it, it's, you have the, the depression and the isolation of not being around your friends and not doing something you love and your routines all messed up because you're not 
going to practice or you're not, you know, you're not training. And um, so, it, I mean, it, it, mean, it means the world to me, you know, it, it's being able to be there for somebody in the time of vulnerability and time of need and be able to help them get through that. Um, even if it's just, you know, they're having a bad, a bad rehab day and just somebody to, somebody there to talk to, you know, um, it's, it, I feel very fortunate that I'm in the position I'm in to be able to help people like that. So. Sounds great. Um, anything else you wanted to share? And then also if people wanted to follow you or your business or anything that you're doing, what would, what would those best options be? Anything else I want to share? Um, I think we, I think we covered quite a bit. So I, I other than, uh, you know, being a lifelong learner, being a lifelong learner, I think that's, that's my biggest takeaway message, I guess. Uh, you can never, never know enough. And, uh, if you, if you, if you stop trying to learn, then, then you're in trouble. Right. That's, that's kind of my last thing. So, um, where, where can people find me, um, on Twitter and Instagram, it's at Todd sports med. Um, and then, you know, Facebook is just Todd stable, but I'm typically uh, pretty active on Twitter and, and Instagram. So, um, and then yeah, sportsmediscussion.com, like you said, is the website. So. Awesome. Well, thank you very much for taking the time. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks for having me on, man.